Welcome to Locked on Grizzlies. My name is Peter Edmiston and it is a, well, it's not an unexpected version of the podcast. It is not one that will surprise any longtime Grizzly fan or any longtime Grizzly observer like myself, like many of you. But nonetheless, it is a disappointment to everybody, perhaps except Chris Wallace. We'll hear from Chris in just a little bit. The Grizzlies will pick fourth in the 2018 NBA draft after dropping two spots from their original finish in the NBA. They finished with the second worst record, but will pick fourth because of two teams jumping over them in the lottery. That, of course, being the Kings, who made a relatively big jump, and the Hawks joining the Suns among the top three, and the Grizzlies will pick fourth. This is kind of... It's kind of what you you know truthfully expected. A lot of you expected the fifth pick. <laughs> fourth was probably uh, an upgrade for some of you. That seems to be the thought of Chris Wallace. As we'll hear his comments here in just a second. I'll give you a little preview. They don't make a lot of sense. But um, that's where things are. So a disappointing night, I think, for, for most. The idea of getting DeAndre Ayton or Luka Doncic, who are kind of the consensus one-two right now. That seems to be out the window, barring some some changes. Now, I will say that this is a draft where the consensus among draft people right now, those that are projecting mock drafts, they have all kind of coalesced with Aiton and Doncic being one-two in some order. Usually Aiton one, Doncic two. Um, but... You know, the, 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 it will change, and I, I think you can pretty much rule it. You know, down to those two in Phoenix for sure. And I would assume after that that Sacramento picking it two would take the other guy. But again, you never know. And and I've I've I know of at least uh, a couple of teams that are a little lower down on Luca than most. I don't know if Sacramento happens to be to one of them. But I know that 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 is there's a little discrepancy here from some draft boards. So there is that chance that that he could drop. I can't imagine that he would drop more than one spot. But if he gets to four, by God, you better take him. You better take him. So I'm I'm bitterly disappointed that my man Luca is likely off the board. And so where does that leave the Grizzlies? Where where does where do things stand now in terms of the pick? after a disappointing night. One of the things also, before we get into the actual, um, like the, the the names that we're talking about now and, and the results of a poll that I ran during the uh, Cavaliers-Celtics game from you guys, one of the things that was disappointing is that, you know, ultimately getting that number one pick gives you flexibility or even maybe the number two pick that you don't quite have at number four. And, and the Grizzlies a team that has you know a fair bit of young talent, but none of it is especially established. The idea that you need to bolster those, those young ranks. You need to find guys that can really play. You need to improve that talent level. You need to get quality guys in there. You know, that would be something that you could consider if you have that top pick. Not just, you know, maybe you end up taking whoever and, and that's the end of it, but you know, theoretically you could trade down. And, you know, a team like Phoenix, might have been willing to make that jump, might have been willing to give you something, some of their young talent or a future pick or something. I mean, look at what Boston was able to get moving down two spots with Philly. 
know, that's the kind of thing that could have potentially been on the table for the Grizzlies. Instead, now that's likely off unless you want to drop further down. And I don't know how much further you want to go than four in this draft. I mean, that's that's really a uh, – you start to get a little bit too far down and you lose uh, the talent level. I think you know we'll go into the draft in much more detail over the next month or so, but I think there is a cutoff – in, in terms of tiers of talent. And I would say that, you know, for me, uh, Luka Doncic, and I love Jaron Jackson. You know, they, they are guys I think are a little higher up than the rest of the guys in the draft. But I think most people have it, you know, with Doncic and Ayton on one tier. And then the next tier would be your Bagley's, Jaron Jackson, Mobamba, Trey Young, et cetera, et cetera. And that's kind of the group that the Grizzlies will likely be be picking from. And there is, in a lot of people's mind, a drop-off there, but not in everyone's and not in Chris Wallace's mind. He was uh, interviewed by uh, Michael Wallace of Grind City Media. And I want you to listen to this quote because this quote, uh, to me, is truly astonishing and dumbfounding and baffling in every way makes zero sense to me. Here's Chris. I was very happy where we ended up, Michael, because we didn't go all the way back to number five, number one. And two, inside the first four, we're still in the first wave of players. So I was fine with it. I mean, uh, again, my top least, our main goal was not to go back as much as possible and stay up there where the top group is. And we both those things uh, occurred. So it was a good night for us. What? <laughs> what does that mean? You accomplish the goal of not going back as far as you could have gone. So it's a good night all around. You're in the first wave of, again, these are, this is just, it's just nonsense. It's just gibberish. The goal was to go in and the, the number one goal was not to finish fifth, not to drop as far as you possibly could. That's so you accomplish that goal. So you feel good. That is the lowest hanging fruit you could have possibly put out there. Man, my goal was not to get hit by a bus, and I nailed it. Sure, I lost my job, and sure, I ran out of money, and, you know, sure, I've picked up a disease, but I didn't get hit by a bus. That was my goal, so hey, good day. Good day. When you set your goal that low, when the bar is that low, you're probably going to go ahead and clear it. Uh, so I think that tells you a lot about Chris's perspective. And I think the relentless desire to try to spin this in a positive way is it's, it really makes, it really, it really hurts Chris. Honestly, it makes him come across as either oblivious or foolish or both. Not really the look that you want from your general manager. It, it would, and it kind of, the part that frustrates I think a lot of you guys out there judging by the reaction that I've seen to it uh, in my Twitter feed is it, it frustrates you guys because you're not being treated like adults. You know, I think everyone knows spin. Everyone knows that you're trying to spin things as positively as possible. That's part of the gig. But that doesn't mean that you have to <laughs> act like that. Doesn't mean you have to pretend like everything is a-okay, fantastic, best they could possibly be. No. There's some in-between. 
between, you know, that sort of thing. There's an in-between. And Chris failed spectacularly to find that. How about just saying, you know, we're disappointed. We would have liked to have stayed at two. We would have loved to jump up. But, you know, we're, we'll, we'll be happy to pick at four. That, that at least then would have acknowledged the irritation and anger and disappointment and frustration of the fans. But you come across as completely oblivious when you say, ah, it was a great, great night. Love where we are. Come on, man. Put the spin down. Stop spinning it. You got enough to worry about. Don't spin it. We'll talk players after this here on Locked on Grizzlies. Welcome back. Now, we could do the whole thing of, yeah, you last time the Grizzlies picked a four. They got Mike Conley. And, yeah, there's great players you can get everywhere. And that's all true. I mean, you can pick up great players all over the draft, certain spots. We've we've seen in these playoffs players that were in all different levels of draft from early first lottery picks to mid first, late first, second rounders, undrafted. You know, there's been contributions all around. You can do it. So that's not really the point. The point is, are you going to do it? And how are you going to do it? That's the fear, obviously, with the Grizzlies, and that would be the fear whether they were drafting first, second, fourth, fifth, whatever. They have to show, and really there's no way to show it other than to do it and to get it right and to you know, be able to uh, get a productive, excellent player with this pick. They have to show that they've made progress. And it was we were watching the game. I was watching the game, the Celtics-Cavs game, Game two, what a great performance in the second half by the Celtics, by the way. Cavs are in trouble. We were watching the game, and I was just thinking about, you know, with what Boston has has been able to do, they've certainly got a lot of high draft picks. It's not as if, you know, (laughs) Jason Tatum drafted third, Jalen Brown drafted third in his draft, Al Horford on the court, he was a third pick in the 07 draft where Mike Conley was picked right after. Um you know, these are these are guys that are all lottery picks. So it's not like they, they're a bunch of like scrubs or anything like that. But the point is they all play with a high IQ and they all play well and they've all played better probably than you would have expected. Terry Rozier, mid first round pick, playing better, much better than you would have expected. Marcus Smart, same kind of thing, playing better than, than you would have expected. Um and it kind of leads me to think it's a chicken and egg situation is a player good because they were a good player and the team was smart enough to identify them as a good player. And so they drafted him and to take advantage of his skills or was the player good because he was drafted by a certain team who then worked on those skills and has helped him to uh, overachieve something to think about. I tend to lean more towards the latter. I think that the team, it's not just a coincidence that the team identifies all this great talent. I think part of it is that they turn into great talent because they are identified by that team. That, that extra little something that you get from those teams, extra little, little oomph that you get from the team being willing to work with you, being excellent at development, those things are, are vital. And the Grizzlies have not done a very good job of that at all. The Grizzlies have not developed talent um, to any major level. Mike Conley would be the one exception to that. And he was such a slow developer. 
took a long time for Mike to really come along and, and hit his stride. You know, everything else was pretty much ready-made guys or, um, you know, guys that, that, that made incremental progress, but nothing spectacular. Haven't seen that kind of development. That's going to have to change with this pick. This pick is going to be somebody that not only is going to have to come in and be a contributor right away, but is going to have to develop into a significant contributor down the line for the Grizzlies to really be able to build something from this and continue and not end up in a situation like the Kings or the Timberwolves where you're out of the playoffs for a long, long time. You know, they need those guys to transition out of that. So with that in mind, where do you go? Now we're going to talk, like I said, over the next month or so, draft is a little more than a month away. We're going to talk about a lot of players. We're going to go through bunches and bunches of guys. So don't worry about that. What I would say is I tend to think of it a little bit differently than you. I asked you guys out there, I said, who do you want? Now that you know, after this, what Chris Wallace would term a great day for the Grizzlies, excellent day, goals met, 100%, you end up with the fourth pick, as everyone wanted. Who do you want? Who is the guy? And by an overwhelming margin, and I put this poll up and ran it for a short time, and almost 500 of you guys responded, so thank you. Um, Marvin Bagley was the choice by 58%. The other three choices, and Twitter only keeps you at four choices or else I would have made more, but the limit was four. So I just kind of picked guys that were around that spot in most of the mock drafts. Bagley was the overwhelming choice. Jaron Jackson, Trey Young, and then all others. Those three options basically were tied around the 18%, 15% mark, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, to fill in the, the rest of that time is like 10 to 15 to 12, whatever it was, whatever adds up to 42%. That's what those were. So Bagley is overwhelming. And it makes sense. He's been the people's choice in a lot of circles from a lot of people for a long time. He is a really tremendous athlete. When you watch him, he jumps out at you because he's so electric. You know, the guy is is getting after it on the boards. Guy's got great work down low. He gets after it. He's got a little of the, the old grit grind. He reminds me, you know, I made this comparison. He's like a, you know, modern version, a new school Zebo, which means he's a lot more athletic. And somebody pointed out in my comments that if Zebo was athletic, <laughs> he wouldn't be Zebo. That's true. So it's a little bit of a misnomer there, but you get the idea. A guy that can do the dirty work post up, uh, you would you would hope that would develop that that little jump shot. He can shoot it. Shot's okay. I, I'm not a big believer in it yet, but you know it, it could certainly come. But but there's a lot of things he does well. Gets those rebounds. All, all those things are great. But also like Zebo. He gets exploited on the other end. If you remember Zebo's travails trying to deal with pick-and-roll defense, well, that's a lot like Marvin Bagley. He has even worse instincts on pick-and-roll defense, struggles mightily, mightily uh, to deal with that. And that's why I'm, I am, am 
the, the one of the two reasons that I'm a little bit lower on him than you guys are. I don't think the defense, not to say that you couldn't develop. Certainly he could develop. Any, anyone can develop. Uh, you know, Jason Tatum improved dramatically and has gotten much better than most people would have expected. Donovan Mitchell, much better than people would have expected based on, on where he was drafted. But those are organizations that have a history of doing that with players, of getting the most out of them. Is that true of the Grizzlies? And so do you need a guy that's a little more ready-made? Or do you need a guy who's going to be more e- more easily developed? I think Bagley defensively is starting so far behind the curve that it's going to be hard for him to catch up quickly. So that's my, that's my one concern. The other concern is I don't know how much of his offense is going to be replicated at the pro level because a lot of it came from you know being super springy athletic, doing work at the basket. Um, you know I don't know that the jump shot is going to be there. I don't know that the outside shot is going to be there. Uh, I think you know, he'll be productive, but you, know, you can look at a guy like Julio Okafor who was drafted great, low post ability, big guy, strong, all that stuff put up big numbers for a really bad uh, Philly team in his rookie season. He was like 17-7. and seven. And then once things started to improve in Philly, couldn't play. Fell off the face of the earth. He may be out of the league next year. He was top pick. Number three overall. So he was a big-time pick. I worry about, not to that degree, I don't think that's going to happen with Bagley, but I do think that if you are all offense and no defense, and that's Okafor to a T, then that really puts pressure on your offense, and it really puts pressure on your team on the defensive side. That's my concern about Bagley. Like I said, we'll flesh all this stuff out a lot more, and I'm sure I'll get you more of a nuanced approach. We'll do a full scouting report. I'll go through all of the info. Been watching a lot of video on these guys. I'm not going to say film. I haven't watched film. I don't have film canisters. Uh, it's not tape. It's video. Been watching a lot of video on these guys. So uh, that's where I am on Bagley. Jaron Jackson, longtime listeners to the pod will know I love Jaron Jackson. And I hope he is there. I have a sneaking suspicion that the Hawks may take him at three. But um, if he is still there, then I think it's a, it's a, to me it's a no-brainer. He's, he's, the, he's right there with Luka atop my draft board. And the reason why is because of what we just talked about. And if you watch these games, you're, you'll see it. I mean, Jackson is a prototype two-way big man. He is capable on both ends of the floor. But defensively, he's got an unbelievable feel for the team game. Great length, great ability to contest, can switch, can get out and guard the perimeter, uh, can be disruptive. All the instincts, all the, all the stuff that Bagley doesn't have, he's got. And he's got it big time. Then on the offensive side, he's got uh, a shot that's similarly unproven. But... I think you you can probably based on just form and everything else. I, I like I like the potential that maybe he can get you a little something there. Again, I wouldn't necessarily count on it, but I think that'd be a nice bonus to be able to do that. He's also got a little bit of a uh, of a handle, 
So you can, if guys close out, you can work on that. Pretty good, pretty productive on the offensive end, although, again, that wasn't really uh, his, his specialty. I just I think in, in the modern NBA, he is so much more like the bigs that you see playing in crunch time, so much more like the bigs you see being really productive. Now, how many true centers are out there? And if you're not, you know, if you're playing as a five, can Bagley play as your five? I uh, think defensively you would really struggle. Jaron Jackson, no problem. No problem whatsoever. So for me, um, Jackson is way ahead of the game there. What about Mo Bamba? Is there any possibility that the Grizzlies would take Mo Bamba given the history with Hashim Thabit? Even if they love Mo Bamba, let's say. Let's say he's number two on their board. They just love him. That's purely hypothetical. I'm not reporting that by any stretch. So I don't want to see that out there. Would they take him? Knowing what has happened with Hashim Thabit, knowing the connection, knowing the stigma, and even though I don't think they're necessarily similar players, I mean, they are similar to the extent that they're centers and both long arms and long legs and all that stuff, but Hashim's a good bit taller. Mobamba's got more skill level and he's got more desire to play. You know, Hashim famously was almost kind of had to be persuaded to play basketball. You know, Bamba's out there working 10, 11 hours a day, uh, trying to continue his shot. He's working with uh, a pretty well-known trainer, young guy who's you know worked with a lot of guys, including Jason Tatum, uh, and getting that shot. Drew Hanlon is his name. Getting the, getting that shot, kind of you know, getting in the right direction, pumping things up a little bit. You know that that's 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 good stuff. You know, I think Bamba's a very productive player, and again, he's a defensive big, which is what I like my bigs to be. Um, the bigger question too is. You know, if you're going to take a big, you know, do you ever take one in the top five? Even if they're awesome. Knowing that bigs, you know, even now you're playing with one big, you know, some like you know, maybe uh, some no big lineups. We've seen a few of those out there. It, it's, it's just becoming harder and harder for big men to get out there. So does that change the way that you put this draft board, you look at the top of the draft board, it's an awful lot of bigs. Whether you're talking about Aiton, whether you're talking about Bagley, Jaron Jackson, you know, Bagley is more of a four, quote-unquote, in college. But again, when you're playing as one big in a lot of these NBA lineups, if he's your big, then he's your big. Aiton, Bagley, Jackson, Bamba, and on down the line, Michael Porter, potentially, there's a lot of guys in this draft. Wendell Carter, don't let me forget about him. A lot of guys in this in this draft that are bigs. Talented bigs, but bigs in a league that bigs are becoming less and less important. So it's about the type of big. It's about the one that plays a little bit smaller, a little more versatile. That's where Jackson gets my advantage. But that brings me to Trey Young, who a lot of you have kind of soured on over the years. But remember... Or over the months, not years. But remember, with Trey Young, again, what is in demand? What do you need? You need shooting. Everybody needs shooting. Everybody needs guys that can make shots. 
everybody needs guys that can create open shots. He can do both those things. Everybody needs players who can do something a little bit special. He has that capability. You know, I'm not saying he's Steph Curry. But if he's even 60 to 70% of Steph Curry, don't you want that player? Especially the way the game is being officiated and defended right now. What an opportunity for somebody like that to come into the league and to perform. And I think based on where things are right now in basketball, as long as you think he's going to be able to, and I, again, I don't know, because all this stuff is a lot of times it's it's a bunch of uh, BS, but if you believe the reporting, Adrian Wojnarowski on the uh, interminably long draft lottery show did say that Trey Young has been doing his workouts in the offseason and he is he's gained 11 pounds of muscle. He's up to 183. I guess we'll find out in the combine coming up the next few days, the official weights and measurements of, of him and a lot of others. But that is a positive sign for a guy to get stronger to be able to deal with the physicality of the league. Otherwise, he's got everything else that you want. Guy can just stroke it from wherever. And he's a great passer on top of that. I think you got to consider him, if for no other reason, then the league is pushing so much in that direction. So much in the direction of having guys out there that can make shots, that can hit those threes. He's going to be playing with better teammates. He's going to be playing in better positions and in better situations. You know, He's not going to take those jacked up, well, he'd probably take a few, but he's not going to take nearly as many jacked up nonsense shots as he had to take with Oklahoma because he was playing with a bunch of scrubs. That's not going to happen in the pros. It's a skill set that's really important. Really important right now in the NBA. So think about him. Think about Jackson. Think about Bagley. Think about Bamba. Michael Porter Jr. A lot of you guys are on board with Michael Porter Jr. And I have to say that I'm intrigued. I think it'd be kind of cool if the Grizzlies, and I think it's very plausible, that they could draft Michael Porter Jr. at four and draft his brother, Jonte Porter, at 32. That'd be fun. I think that's entirely possible. Um, without without knowing much, though, from a workout standpoint, would love to be able to see his workouts and see the medical reports. I think it's going to be very hard with the Grizzlies' checkered ha- uh, past when it comes to injuries and when it comes to draft picks that have had, you know, for example, the knee issues that Jordan Adams and Xavier Henry have had. Uh, Drell Martin came in with foot problems, um, you know, and of course with the recent situation with Chandler Parsons, you know, the injury stuff is really a problem. And so if you're going to draft a guy that has back issues, you know, it's a huge risk, huge risk. And I don't know if the Grizzlies are in position to take that kind of a risk, especially on a guy whose talent is so unproven. I mean, you really are, you've got you two games essentially at the end of the college season where Porter looked just kind of okay, but, you know, obviously he's going to be way, way, way out of the loop and way rusty in those situations. So it's really hard to tell exactly what he's going to be able to give you. Can you take him with the injury stuff and just not knowing that much about him? You know, he's tantalizing talent, but is that going to be enough? I don't, I would say no, 
But again, it's very early in this process and a lot can change. Um, so he's on the list. I think Wendell Carter is a underappreciated guy. Very meat and potatoes sort of big man, but does a lot of really good things and uh, is was a super productive guy and is probably the safest pick. You know, he, he doesn't have that obvious major downside. I don't know that he's got as much upside as a lot of these guys, but he doesn't have that major negative, that major sticking point that would cause you to just freak out the way that almost all the other guys do. Something to think about. We'll talk all about it, of course, as we go through this week, as we go through next week, week after that. We are going to have a great deal of draft coverage and reaction and everything else here on Locked on Grizzlies. Please get in touch. Please subscribe, first of all. Rate if you if you would be so kind and you enjoy it, give us that five-star rating that really does help pump us up and take us to the next level. Um, that's awesome. Subscribing is awesome. Uh, any feedback that you want to give, I love to hear from all of you. And we'll do mailbags and we'll do a lot of that stuff coming up uh, over the next few weeks. You can email me, pedmiston at gmail.com. That's pedmiston at gmail.com. Uh, you can also hit me up on Twitter. I am at Peter Edmiston, you can listen to me uh, here in Memphis. For those of you that are here in the Memphis area, you can listen to me on uh, Sports 56 and 87.7 FM from 7 to 10 every morning. For those of you internationally or around the country or wherever, you can stream it as well at sports56whbq.com. Thank you so much for listening. Again, a bummer for everybody but Chris Wallace that the Grizzlies finished in the fourth spot. I know, I know. It kind of pissed me off, too. But that's the way it goes. If you are a longtime Grizzly fan, to be quite honest with yourself, you expected nothing less. They'll pick fourth. We'll talk about it. Thanks for listening to Locked on Grizzlies.